0: Turn to the book of 1 John, chapter 5. We're going to begin with verse 11. I'm going to read uh, that, a short passage of Scripture there and, uh, and share with you then out of this wonderful foundation that has been laid out of the lives of these uh, mothers here in our church and their prayer life and what God is doing and answering their prayer, I believe that, that that foundation will help you this morning to absorb the reality of the Scripture that we are about to read. We're talking about the ifs of First John. Uh, we've been on this for several weeks now, and uh, today we're going to look at two of them. The Scripture says... Um, in 1 John, uh, we'll start with, uh, with verse, just verse 14 and 15 says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now, I want to go back up to verse 11, and I want to read that passage beginning with verse 11. And this is the testimony, verse 11 says, that God has given us eternal life, And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And then we return to these passages. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whether we ask, uh, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now, <clears throat> I've already shared with you, and I want to talk just briefly about John as a writer. He's the matter-of-fact guy. He doesn't see gray areas. And, uh, and when the Scripture says if, we need to pay attention because if, how many understand if has contingencies? The promises of God, the promises of God are contingent. All of them are contingent. Salvation is contingent on you receiving Jesus and the forgiveness of sin by faith. All the promises of God are contingent upon uh, whatever the contingency is in that promise. So when you see the scriptures say if, I want that little word to, to loom up big in your mind so that you, you pay attention to what the if is implying. So uh, let's just look at these. If we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So uh, this scripture begins by saying this is the confidence that we have. Our confidence in God is on display through answered prayer. God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a promise and I'm going to work through you and and I'm going to be so good to you and I'm going to be so kind to you and I'm going to flourish you so much that people are going to look at you and they're going to say, what is up with you? How is it that everything you touch just seems to work out right? So that you can say to them, it's the God that I serve. This is what God wants to do in your life through answered prayer. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us, we know that we have our petitions. Now, these ifs are our true. The, the truths regarding these ifs that are stated here in this passage are predicated upon the comments that are made previous to them. So I want to talk a little bit about that preceding couple of verses there with verse 11. It's interesting to me that when God starts talking about answered prayer here, the first thing he does is share with you the good news of the gospel. The gospel precedes the answer to prayer. So he says here, this is our testimony. That God has given us eternal life, and the life is in His Son, and he who has the Son has life, and he does not he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I want to submit to you that this is the simplicity of the gospel. If you want to learn to preach the gospel, if you want to share the gospel with your friends and with your family, with people around you who do not know Jesus, this is the way that you do it. You say, "This is the testimony." God has given us eternal life. Those who have the Son have life. And those who do not have the Son of God do not have life. If you can say those things, you've just preached the gospel. It's that simple. And I believe it's important for us to understand that the gospel, the receiving of the gospel, is the precursor to answered prayer. Are you here? The Bible actually teaches us that people who don't know God, he doesn't, uh, other than the prayer related to the prayer of faith for salvation, he doesn't hear the prayer. There's so many people on the earth who just pray prayers, hoping that something will work out right, hoping that God will hear. But they don't have an understanding and a foundation of faith to know who Jesus is and to be able to have their prayers answered because they're in a relationship with Jesus. But you and I, we're in a relationship with Jesus. And if you're here today and you haven't received Jesus, as I said earlier, all you have to do is receive him by faith. You can join the crowd with answered prayer. This is the testimony. The gospel is the message that that John gives us here in great simplicity. And I want to challenge you as a church, as a group of people who are walking with God and and doing life together, I want to challenge you that we never get away as a church, that we never get away from the simplicity of the gospel that we never get to the place that walking with God is somehow complicated, that that walking with God is somehow difficult, that walking with God is somehow far out of our reach. I I want you as a a people to determine we will uh, embrace and continue to maintain within the framework of who we are an expression of the gospel in simplicity because it's not complicated to walk with God. He is not hard to know. He is not hard to hear. He's not hiding anything from you. The Bible says that there are great mysteries that are hidden in God, but we've discovered that they are hidden there for us, not hidden there from us. There's nothing hidden in God that is hidden from you. It's hidden there for you. The Bible talks about, uh, Jesus gave parables about searching for lost things, the lost coins and, and, and treasure in the field. And, and what we find in Scripture as we look at that is that the gospel is that field that is full of treasure. And we go in and we dig out the treasure out of the field. And the way that, that in, in Scripture the field is purchased, well, the way that the field is purchased is that we receive the good news of the gospel. And you've bought the field. And you get the treasure. But the reality of it is, in the heart of Jesus, you are his treasure. And he purchased you. So in his mind, when he looks at you, he bought the field. And that, that really ought to do something to your spiritual self-esteem, to the way that you see you. Because God wants you to see you the way he sees you. And you are his treasure. But he is our treasure this is our treasure. Amen? So, this is the gospel message in simplicity. God has given us eternal life. The life is in his Son, and he who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. And and some people think, oh, that is just so harsh. No, it's just truth. Truth is just simple. It's not harsh. It's just truth. Listen to this passage, you, you know this, many of you know this right by heart, but John three sixteen and 17 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Simplicity. That's the gospel in one verse. But he didn't stop there. He goes on to say, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't, even, he didn't send Jesus so that we would feel condemned. He sent Jesus so that we would feel welcomed. So that we could join the ranks of people who have a relationship with God that produces an environment where prayer is answered. I was so excited a couple of weeks ago. There's this dear lady. There's a couple ladies in, in Connect. Uh, there's five Connect groups now on Wednesday nights. There's a couple ladies uh, in one of our Connect groups and, uh, that, that do not attend Church of Living Water uh, on Sunday. They just come to Connect. That's exciting to me, by the way. They will be here, but, but nevertheless, right now, they're just connecting with us. And this little lady was in there, and and I walked over to her at the end of Connect, and I just greeted her and asked her how she was doing. And and she said, well, she didn't feel good. I think she said she had a headache or whatever. And I just laid my hand on her just like this, and I said, well, let's take care of that right now. And I said, be healed in Jesus' name. That's all I said. Because she said, said, okay, quickly. Like she wanted to get home, right? (laughs) And I said, all right, be healed in Jesus' name. You know what? She, she goes, oh, my God, it's gone. She's just shocked. I'm just jazzed. God answers our prayer. I love it. Well, the precursor to answered prayer is knowing Jesus. That's why the gospel preceded the statements that he's making to us here. And then I just threw this in here for the benefit of, some, there's someone here who just really needs to anchor in the fact that Jesus loves you and that he doesn't condemn you and that he's not pushing you away and that he wants to answer your prayer as well. Listen And and maybe write these references down for you to look at later. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, Acts chapter 2, verse 21, and Joel chapter 2, uh, verse 32. All three of those verses say, All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's the simplicity of the gospel. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All who are saved have the right to answered prayer have access to the Father for the sake of answered prayer. So let's talk about what he said to them in these passages of Scripture. He says, this is the confidence that we have in him. Whenever you come to the Lord and he begins to answer your prayer, there is an infusion of confidence that you understand now, oh my God, he wants to hear what I have to say. Man, when, I, when my relationship with the Lord grew to the point that I realized he was answering my prayer, I was just jazzed. This is our confidence. The Bible says that, that we would have boldness and confidence before him even in the day of judgment, even in seasons of, that we wouldn't be afraid to, be, to approach him in that time of judgment, that we would be confident before him because he is going to judge in our favor. He's judging for you, not against you. The judgment through Jesus, has, the gavel has already come down in your behalf. Lord, bless that baby mama's carrying out right now. Y'all pray for her. Uh, that's, that's Olivia, and she's being adopted, and uh, uh, her adoptive family is in Utah, and they're waiting on paperwork to get her transferred to Utah. So her mother is without her today. Pray for her. I, the, the, that family's been on my heart all day long because they're, they're longing. They're waiting, Rachel. They're waiting. It's a good waiting. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask, hmm, listen to these words. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, there have been plenty of times I prayed plenty of things that God didn't give me, and I look back now, and I'm so thankful he didn't give me what I asked for. Can we just mature here for a moment? Can we just move to a place of maturity in our relationship with Jesus? How many understand that uh, as a father of nine children, there's been many times when my children have asked me for things that I did not give them. It was in their best interest that I did not give them what they asked for. And as they mature and they look back over their life, they will understand why I didn't give them what they asked for. And why I withheld that in that moment of asking, sometimes until a more appropriate time, sometimes not at all. How many understand that if my uh, 12 or 13-year-old child asks me for the keys to the car, I'm probably not going to give them to him, right? Because the maturity is not there to handle the responsibility of that gift, So there's been many times that I've asked the Lord for things in my life, and I've I've allowed myself to be frustrated at times because he didn't give me what I asked until I matured to the point that I realized that he's a better father than I am. And he knows me better than I know myself. And he's aware of what I need more than, than, uh, than I am aware of what I need. I'm living in a house that the Lord chose for me because the house that I really wanted was a block away, was across the street and down the way. And then whenever that didn't work out, I was disappointed and then when what finally worked out worked out, we moved into our house and I realized the house that I thought I wanted was backed up to the school and at six o'clock during soccer season I would not have wanted to live there. And then we were only in our house a short time, and we decided to put in a swimming pool, and that lot over there wouldn't have been big enough for a swimming pool. And, and when we decided that we would do that, and the Lord showed us that we needed that because he was bringing foster children into our home and all the, the things that were going to happen, there were 37 children in our home over the course of seven years. How many understand I needed a pool? So, we would have only stayed in that house I was asking for a very short time. But the Lord knew more than I knew what I needed. And it's time as believers that we mature to the place that we trust Him. Because when He doesn't give us what we ask for, He's answering our prayer. Are you there? There's something in, in, in the context of our understanding of, of the things of God, and we think that unless He gives us exactly what we say, the way we describe it, that somehow He's not answering. But this passage tells us that when we pray according to his will, and I've just so learned over the years that whenever I pray and I ask God particularly, I believe that you should have a sense of what you desire, and you should have the confidence to go before him and express to him what you desire. I understand that, but there's always that point that I say to the Lord now in, in, my, in this place of maturity that I've come to in prayer, Lord, if what I'm asking you for is not good for me, don't give it to me me you know me better than I know me so if what I think I want is not what needs to happen I submit my will to yours and then I've learned we've learned as a church and as a people that when you don't know the Bible says when you don't know how to pray that the spirit will make intercession for you and pray perfect prayers the will of the father and so I've learned over the years that when I don't know how to pray, I just go get over there in that prayer language that, that um, Chris was talking about a few minutes ago and begin to pray in the Spirit. And if you're not there yet, no condemnation for me we will get you there. We'll help you get there. You want to you receive baptism of the Holy Spirit in all simplicity. You want to get there. If you're struggling in that area, come talk to this man right here. I guarantee you that you will walk away praying the Spirit if you'll just do what he says. Because he knows how to lead you in that direction. But we've learned, the Bible says that the spirit will make intercession for us with groanings that cannot even be uttered. Things that we don't understand. And I have learned whenever I don't know, how many don't know how to pray for your kids sometime? Come on, really? Because you can't get in their head. You can only look at the outward appearance, right? You can't look at their heart. And so I've learned that when I don't know how to pray for my kids and, 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 and you know, things going on in their life, and, they, and how many understand when they're going through stuff, they don't always want to articulate what they're going through. So I've learned to pray and ask the Father in their behalf because he loves them more than I do. He loves my kids more than me. He loves them more perfectly than I love them. He wants for them more than I want for them. He wants better for them than I can conceive. So all I need to do is go to him and begin to pray and ask him. And, and I am, through the, by the Holy Spirit, able to pray perfectly for them the prayers that the Father once prayed. And quite often I walk away from there with great understanding. Freaks the kids out, by the way. You want to have more fun as a parent, learn to pray for your kids this way. It will freak them out every time. I just love uh, this one story from our life, and I'll tell you, I don't know if Jonathan will appreciate this or not, but when Jonathan first learned to drive, he was driving to San Francisco and up in the Bay Area, back and forth, every weekend uh, because he was in uh, Drum and Bugle Corps up there. And and, uh, so he's driving, and, and mom said, don't speed. If you speed, I own your truck. If you speed, your keys are mine. And so um, he was coming home one Sunday night, coming home uh, to go back to school the next day, and, and Laura's standing at the, the kitchen sink doing dishes in those days, and she's standing there, and she's, Honey, is there evidence of insurance in Jonathan's truck? And I said, Yes, honey, it is. Why? And she said, He's needing it right about now. So Jonathan walks through the door some hours later as he got home, and he walks through the door, and she said, exactly where were you when you got the ticket? He turned five shades of white, reached in his pocket, pulled out his keys, and just held them out there like that because he was submitted. So he held his keys out to her, and she took his keys in her hand, and he said, did they call you? Like, did the police, the highway patrol get on the phone and call you? No, somebody else called us. This is prayer. This is prayer. See, prayer prayer becomes a two-way communication. We're not just talking to God. He's talking to us. And that's what prayer life needs to become. And that's when prayer begins to be answered. You pray according to the will of the Father. And then there comes a confidence in your walk with God that I long for, I long for everyone to come to this place. And if, if you're new in the things of the Lord and if you're new in, in prayer life, if you're new to this experience, let me just assure you that if you will press in and press on, you will reach the place that, that, uh, that verse 15 comes alive in your life. If we know... I love that. I love that statement. If we know... That he hears us. How many of you ever pray and you just wonder if God hears? There's a place in the maturing process in prayer that you will never wonder again if he hears. You will know that you know that he hears you. I want that for every one of you. And your children and your grandchildren and your aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody. I, I want that for you. Verse 15 says, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know, there's that word again, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked for. If you know that he hears you, then you know that you have what you ask for. Listen, God gets serious about that. This this answer to prayer thing, and he's very serious about praying according to his will, his desire. Uh, and there's quite often that I pray and I say, Lord, um, you need to work in my heart because I can I can tell I know myself well enough to know what I'm desiring and what your desire probably is not the same thing. So would you work on my desire? Now, the Bible says he'll give you the desires of your heart. And so I always ask the Lord, first give me the correct desire, form the desire in me, and then give me the desire of my heart. And he's done that over and over and over again throughout my life. But I learned that very quickly. Uh, Can I tell you some horror stories? Prayer line horror stories. Everybody say, prayer line horror stories, right? There was a gentleman that that was in our church many years ago when I was the associate pastor in Fremont, um, and uh, he came up to the prayer line and he said, and some of you've heard this story, but I'm going to share it anyway. I'm not senile yet. So he comes up he comes up to the prayer line. And he says, Pastor Anthony, I want you to pray. He says, I've applied for this job at work and I I want this job. And I said, okay. And and I said, Lord. Uh, This brother loves you. Would you order his steps and place his feet exactly where you desire them to be? And he goes, stop, stop, stop. I've had this happen twice in my life where somebody says, stop. That's not how I ask you to pray. So I said, okay, Lord. I said, I got you. I got you. Lord, give him exactly what he's asking for. In Jesus' name. And I walked away. And to be honest with you, my flesh, I was mad. Because I'm asking for God to work out his will in this man's life. How could you not want that, right? No, nope, no, nope, nope, that's not what I asked. So I actually went home and shared that story with my wife, and, and we kind of shook our heads. Like, he ought, I know that gentleman, he ought to be a little more mature in his walk with God than that. and all, We had that little conversation. We prayed for him, and we went on. And I had, I had to just wash that off because I had attitude. <laughs> I mean, I had attitude. How many? How many went prayer line with attitude? I had attitude. So anyway, a few weeks later, he comes back and he says, "Anthony, I need to repent, Pastor. I need to repent." And I said, "Repent what?" He goes, "You did what I said. You asked God for that job." And he said, "I got on that job." And he said, "I am literally." He was in a in a uh, factory where they automobile plant, and he said. I'm in a pit, under cars, working with my arms over my head, eight hours, nine hours a day, all day long. And he said, I'm too old for this. And he said, you prayed and asked God to work out his desire in my life, and I stopped you and said, no, I want this. And he said, I have to repent. He said, please pray for me, that God will move me out of that quickly, because I can't, I can't do this job. And so we prayed, we, we repented together, and I kind of repented for my attitude, and, and he repented for his, and, and we took that before the Lord. And within a couple of weeks, he came to me and told me that the Lord had opened another door and he'd moved into another position that was more suited to him physically. He was an older gentleman. How many know that the Lord wants better for you than you want for yourself? So the Lord knows what you have need of. The Bible says the Lord knows what you have need of even before you ask, but he desires that you would ask. So he wants you to ask, but he wants you to ask with a submitted heart that trusts him. Lord, you order my steps. You make my way straight. And if what I need from, if what I'm asking from you is not what I need from you, and Rachel, you articulated that so much better than I could have articulated that today. I submit myself to you, to your will and to your desire. Amen? So it's just wonderful. So the Lord says, so the word says, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now, there's one other portion of this, that I want to just kind of uh, point out to you in verse five, in chapter 5 and verse 13. It says, I'm writing these things to you for a reason. I love when the scripture tells us why. Because how many know God doesn't have to tell us why anything? In fact, I've asked him why he doesn't ask my opinion, and he's made it very clear that he's not going to anytime soon. There's been many times whenever the Lord has put me on a course and I've said, what am I doing here? And he said, I didn't ask you. Just be submitted to me. But he says in verse, um, in, in verse 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God for two reasons. That you may know that you have eternal life. The answer to your prayer is to help you in your confidence and understanding, I have eternal life. He loves me. He saved me. He's taking me into eternity. He answers my prayer. He's listening to what I say. So the the apostle says, I'm writing these things to you because I want you to know, I want you to be confident in your eternity. Isn't that challenging? Isn't that wonderful? Every time God answers your prayer, it's like, whoa, I love this. He's answering. He hears me. And if he hears me, then whenever I, when they carry me out of here, you know where I'm going to be? I'm going to be in eternity. I'm going to be rejoicing. I have the promise of eternal life. He just preached the gospel to us. Then he says to us, I want you to be confident in your eternity. Well, believers, it's important for you to be confident in your eternity. Nobody should be wondering if they're going to go to heaven or not. In fact, I wonder if you wonder if that's really where you're going, right? Because we know that when we receive Jesus, we're going into eternity with him. So he says, I'm telling you this so that you may know that you have eternal life. And then he says the most curious thing, so that you may continue to believe. If the apostle says to the church, I want you to continue to believe, then it's every indication to me that there are individuals who believe at one time and no longer do. He wants you to continue in this walk. He wants you to continue in this grace. He wants you to continue in this direction that you, this road that he has put you on uh, to eternity, this road that he has put you on to relationship with Jesus. He wants you to continue. The Bible tells us that, that uh, he who has begun a good work in us is able to bring it to its day of completion. He's, he's begun a good work in us. He's going to finish that good work that he's begun in us. I, I want to challenge you. Some days you're going to get up and you're not going to feel like a believer. Maybe tomorrow morning, after all, it's going to be Monday. There are going to be days that you don't feel like God hears you. There are going to be days that you don't feel like walking with God. There's going to be days, any, any relationship that you're in, there's some days you just don't feel up to that relationship. Anybody with me? I'm sure there's days my wife don't feel like dealing with me. But thank God she has stuck it out. So there are days that you, we, we walk by faith and not by sight. There are days that you just don't feel it. But it's not about that at all. So he says, I don't want you to just know that you have eternal life, but I want you to continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. I want you to continue in this journey. That's why I say to you, the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. So you can have the worst day, the worst possible day, the worst attitude. You can have prayer team with attitude. You can can go home and have argument with attitude. And you can go to bed at night and you can think, boy, I really blew it today. But the sun's coming up tomorrow and me and Jesus, we're going on. (laughs) We're going to keep on stepping every day. Every day. That's why I say to those of you that are in places of struggle in your life, just get up today, get up when the sun comes up, and you just declare his mercies are new every morning. His love is overshadowing me. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on to know him, the Bible says. Press on to know him. Some of those things I say when I'm quoting scripture, you go look it up. Read it. The Bible says go on to know him. Listen to these. It, it caught me by surprise when I read that statement that you would continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Because the, the way my mind works is that I immediately thought, how do you stop believing? How do you stop believing? Just the way that my mind works. So I read that. I thought that. I looked up Galatians 3, 1, and in Galatians 3, chapter 1, he says to the Galatian church, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should uh, not obey the truth? That so, if You were walking in the truth. You were going in the right direction. You were, you were doing the right thing. You were moving in the right direction for a relationship with Jesus, and all of a sudden, someone has come in and twisted your thinking and moved you off of the gospel, and, and who, who has bewitched you? That you've lost your confidence and you've lost your understanding of the simplicity of the gospel. Who has bewitched you? That you would not obey the truth. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you. How, have you. how have you lost sight of that? That's what he's asking them. Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you. How have you lost sight of that? And he began to talk to them in detail about the challenge they were facing in their understanding. And then I want to remind you of a scripture we've already read in first John chapter three and verse twenty one some weeks back. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence toward God that whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of, the son of, uh, uh, the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. This is the commandment that He gave us. How do we stop... Believing, I would challenge you that the moment that your confidence in your approach to God is shaken, that you have to have a conversation with yourself about you're believing. The Bible says in the Old Testament that the children of Israel, in their unbelief, they frustrated the heart of God. That He, He, I've mentioned this to you before, but He did so much for them, and and they should have taken those moments in time when God did great things for them, and said, "If He did it, then He'll do it now." And you need to begin to take those those moments that God answers your prayer and does something wonderful in your life and you need to look back over your life and say, if he did it then, he'll do it now. He has, God doesn't change. I change, God doesn't change. And begin to hang on to those experiences. Oh, one of these days we're going to talk about experiencing God. Hang on to those experiences. So he says here, Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his precepts, because we do those things that are pleasing in his sight, because we believe on his son, Jesus Christ, and because we love one another. Isn't that simple? Isn't that simple? That's one of the reasons. That's the reason we're challenging you to be in relationship with one another, because Love in the body of Christ will strengthen you for your walk. And love in the body of Christ and participation in the body of Christ, connection in the body of Christ will produce an environment of answered prayer because that's where God dwells.